All right, welcome into the Odds and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Pray. Eric Scopel is with me as always. And on Tuesday, we don't normally record a podcast, but but because uh, 24-7 Sports, our company, we've updated our list of the 2020 recruiting class rankings, and new rankings are out, and it's, it's the final rankings. And there's a lot of movement, a lot of uh, guys to get into uh, most notably, Eric, I think you look at this and you say the first thing that pops out of your head is, wow, Oregon has landed commitments or has signed, I should say signed, uh, three of the 40 best players in the country. Two of those guys are five stars. And you look at the Pac-12 standings and Oregon has signed three out of the four best recruits in the 2020 class. Oregon remains the class of the Pac-12 from a recruiting perspective. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, the caliber of these defensive recruits, and we already knew all this before the rankings came out, are, are just different than what Oregon is typically receiving. Um, and you yep. look at just Justin Flo does drop a little bit, and we'll talk about some of the reasons for that in a moment here, but he, he was ranked sixth. He's now 11th. Noah Sewell remains at 19th, and then we mentioned Dante Manning. Uh, a little bit of a drop down to number 40. He was previously 30th um, in the previous rankings. But I don't think any of that really deters from what we knew already, which is Oregon's getting some some very, very top-tier guys in this class and some difference makers um, and players that – and, and we'll, again, we'll get, get to some of the reasoning here. I'm, I'm sure there are some of those listening going like, why did Justin Flo dro- drop five spots after doing uh, – from everything we've heard, performing very, very well – um, at the Hawaii, you know, in Hawaii at the Polynesian Bowl, um, but again, none of that really detracts from who these guys are as players, and and the reasoning behind it makes quite a bit of sense. Yeah, we've got Charles Power, who's an analyst for Twenty Four Seven Sports, and also our director of recruiting, Barton Simmons. Um, they're both. We've got audio from both of them, kind of detailing in and giving good context for why Flo is ranked where he's at, where Sewell's ranked where he's at. They went through every single five-star recruit, all 32 of them, uh, and talked a little bit about uh, each player and and kind of explained the thinking behind their ranking. So we've got Barton and we've got Charles's uh, reasoning for Flo and and also for Sewell. Let's get into these real quick. Um, Justin Flo was ranked sixth in the country overall. He is uh, still the number one inside linebacker in the country, uh, but he has now dropped to 11. Um, and w- like I said, I don't want to give too much away why he dropped because we have Barton and we have Charles explaining that. But a big reason why is our rankings um, project towards NFL and looking at at that position and that in mind, uh, both Barton and Charles talked about how typically – Quarterbacks, defensive linemen, edge rushers usually go in the you know top ten of the draft, and not inside linebackers. Doesn't mean that his stock is dropping. It's just more so other guys seem to have emerged uh, higher up the board. Um, I, like you said, probably a little bit from from my perspective, probably a little surprising that Flo dropped. But I I don't think I mean at this point when you're like, why did a guy go from being top six to being top eleven? You're like splitting hairs. Like it's uh, this doesn't mean Dustin Flo's stock is dropping at all. He's still the best inside linebacker in the country. Uh, and, and that tells you everything you need to know about his talents. Um, Noah Sewell goes 
into the into the final rankings discussion, ranked as the number 19th best player in the country, the second best inside linebacker, and he merges out of that ranking in our final rankings on 24-7 sports at number 19 as well. Uh, and also the number two inside linebacker in the country, second to Justin Flo. So I think when you look at it from an Oregon perspective, uh, yeah, you would have liked to have seen these two guys move up. Um, you would have liked to have seen them, you know, for Flo, stay where he's at. Maybe Sewell move up. But at the same time, you also have to realize, look, there are there are two inside linebackers ranked inside the top 32 in the country. Um, and when you look at other linebackers that are also ranked, uh, Trenton Simpson is 12th. He's an outside linebacker. And then you've also got Curtis Jacobs, uh, who is 24th and an outside linebacker. Oregon has two of the three just overall best linebackers in the country. Like, that is insane. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the case, and you have to go all the way. There are no other five stars at inside linebacker. You have to go down to 35 um, to Des Moines Kennedy, uh, an Alabama commitment. He's the next highest-rated inside linebacker, and he's down at 35th um, outside of that five-star range. So nothing really changes there um, for Oregon. They still have those top-tier guys. They still have the big names. I know – I'm sure there are Oregon fans listening to this and those who are reacting on the message boards. I guarantee it right now they're they're losing their minds because, my gosh, Justin Flo, the, 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 you know, it's rigged. He fell five spots. Like, no, like Matt says, there's good reasoning for it. It, it, it makes sense. Uh, none of this. And none, it's never the analysts are out to get a school. You know, and I know that's probably <laughs> going to be a narrative we see on our message yes. boards just to deflect that. No, these guys are these guys are not biased. They're not out to get Oregon. They're, they're not trying to hurt Oregon's recruiting stock. Um, but we should say that the end result of some of these changes, not really these ones at the top, but some of the other changes um, from a broader spoke of, you know, of this final top 247 could impact where Oregon is ranked a little bit. And uh, and there were a handful of guys that that did fall, a couple of guys that, did, that are moving up. But um, overall, Matt, we should probably run through how the rest of the top two, four, seven plays out for Oregon, real, but kind real of quick, you, real yeah. quick. I want to explain just, um, the rankings explanation. Um, the top 32 players are five stars and they're rated anywhere from 98 to 110. Uh, the top 32 players in the country are to mirror the 32 first round picks in the NFL draft. And these are the 32 players that we at 24-7 Sports believe are the most likely to be drafted in the first round of each recruiting class, the full list of 32 with five-star ratings typically isn't complete until the final rankings. Uh, and any player with a rating of more than 100 is considered a franchise player and one that does not come around in every recruiting cycle. And you want to look at Justin Flo, he's rated as 99. So he's literally one point behind being rated as a player that literally does not come around every recruiting cycle and a franchise player. Noah Sewell is two points behind that at 98. So just gives you an idea of, yeah, like flow dropped a little bit, but and Sewell stayed where he was, but both guys are literally a point or two points away from being deemed as a franchise player. And, and that's, again, highly complimentary of, of those guys' talents and those players' talents and just in terms of where they project. And I do think that is good context in terms of I think a lot of times people get lost of lost in, well, 
this player is clearly the better player right now, but this is a projection of sorts of looking down the line to after they finish out their college careers. And it may sound somewhat counterintuitive to some people who are, who, who want it to be a different way, but right. that's the way they're going about doing it. And, and I do think it adds, again, good context, but also it helps you understand like, okay, what, what exactly are they looking for in this? Are they looking at the guy who is the most ready-made player right now, which is something I think Justin Flo possesses. I think when you look at him at Oregon, the expectation is that he's going to step on the field and be a contributor immediately. Um, there are other factors that are under consideration here, um, inc- you know, obviously including upside and, and position where you'll be drafted, like Matt said earlier, um, th- that, that go into the consideration. So you know, it's complicated. I'm sure this is a, a process that is ongoing and and one that that doesn't take place over one night, you know, with a couple of pizzas they order and they're just sitting there throwing, you know, numbers at a dartboard. This is this is a process that takes a very long Months. time to, to go through. Um, a lot of camps, a lot of watching film, um, and, and and these decisions are not made lightly. They're not taken lightly. Lightly, and you and you can see that there's a lot of time and thought and care put into these decisions. And they're not trying to follow the the whole group think line of. Well, the other services have them rated here. You know, you see people moving up and down. You see a wide disparity sometimes from one service to another, and that's because um, they're doing their due diligence. And sometimes people just see players a little bit differently. And if if you really want to go into it, um, go to Barton Simmons' Twitter account. It's just at Barton Simmons. And if you really want to geek out, they've got a podcast where they go into really good detail uh they peel back the layers of the the ranking process from a to z so um i really really suggest if you're interested in, in knowing how we come about that um the guy that did that 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 the guy that's in charge of our rankings has a podcast explaining it and if you want to go even more geeked out he has another podcast that came out about a week ago um, it's raw audio from our evaluators. We've, we've got about six or seven guys that are on a council and, uh, they, <laughs> they met and they hashed out all 32 rankings for five-star rankings. And there's the raw audio from that. And that's really interesting. It's really good stuff. I highly suggest you go and read that on the college football daily podcast, um, with Barton Simmons. You can find that on iTunes. You can find that on Stitcher and anywhere you listen to podcasts, uh, you can find that. We'll link it on the site as well on DuckTerritory.com where you can just get the raw audio of them debating the top 25, the top 32, excuse me. All right, so let's also now dive into the other guys that are moving up and moving down in the rankings. Uh, Oregon has eight four-star or five-star recruits, so six guys made four-star rankings. Um, Dante Manning is the highest four-star rated commit for Oregon he was 30th he dropped down to 40th Uh, we were kind of expecting a little bit of a drop so that's not really too surprising Um, now the the, the concern here is is that Jay Butterfield and Chris Hudson um, and Jared uh, Jaden Navarrete both all three of those guys dropped in the rankings Jaden lost a four-star and is now a three-star ranking Uh, he has a rating of 88 um butterfield is ranked at 91 chris hudson is ranked at 90 um both of those guys will be four-star recruits um after the final you know after everything's finalized and updated on the site uh, four stars go from 90 to 97 uh rating and three stars go from 80 to 89 um 
it, we should also note that uh, Michael Afisi and Trey Benson, uh, Benson's a running back, uh, Afisi is a defensive tackle. Both those guys saw their rankings increase. So anyone out there is like, oh, the rankings are just dropping, the, you know, typical Oregon, da 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 Like, no, like, there's guys that improved for Oregon. And, again, to reiterate what Eric has said, that, you know, there's a lot of you know stuff that goes behind these rankings. And for Oregon, they saw two guys get four-star, you know, ranking status. Trey Benson, a running back, uh, is rated at 91. And Michael Afisi is... Uh, now a defensive tackle who was a three-star for a very low three-star at that yeah. has bumped all the way up to uh, a four-star defensive tackle. So a lot of people have asked, where's the defensive tackle? Why aren't we getting a four-star defensive tackle? Yada, yada, yada. There's the reason because my, uh, my Salafisi was uh, very dominant as a high school senior and very impressive at the Polynesian All-American Bowl. I, I was going to say that they must have been blown away with him at the Polynesian Bowl. Um those players in Hawaii oftentimes don't get very many opportunities to really prove themselves in front of people like, you know, the 247 scouting team. Um, but we had a ton of people over there for, you know, in Hawaii earlier this month for the Polynesian Bowl, and it's clear he must have performed very well because he did. He was one of the bigger movers in that because Matt's right. This is somebody who was rated, I think, in the 600s. And again, yep. I don't, we, we don't know their exact rankings. We just know that they are four stars. Um, but Afisi does make a move up. Benson also makes a move up. Um these are two. These are two players you have to be excited about. I think players that people were. I think Benson. I think fans are pretty excited about to begin with, just because he is a highly regarded. I know he didn't have a four star from twenty four seven running back with good size out of the southeast, out of Mississippi. I think people have talked about him a lot. I'm not sure if Afisi is somebody that had been spoken to spoken no. about quite as frequently. Hardly um, ever. Yeah, and certainly not on my end. I mean, I remember watching his tape and saying, you know, he's got some upside. You can see it there. This was, I think, junior tape because he committed um, before the senior season. You can see the potential there, but it was not like, a, oh, he's going to jump in and be – I certainly don't even know if I saw him as being a four-star caliber player. I, I think I saw the upside, and I think I compared him, given his height and his length, a little bit to former Oregon uh, defensive end Jalen Jelks. Um, and I think a feces frame he could put on a significant – significantly more weight than what Jelks ended up being at Oregon because Jelks was playing in the 250s and Afisi's already around that range. But um, I think the upside there was pretty clear, uh, but it is nice to see that that's something that uh, was well-received as well from the 24-7 team in terms of approaching that. Now, Matt, who who of the guys that fell when you looked through this the first time, which guys jumped out of like, oh, man, I didn't expect that far of a drop? Because there are, like we said, a a handful of guys that did, did move down a little bit. Um. Butterfield to an extent, because you know this was a guy that was rated as 94, and he dropped down a couple spots down to what 91. Um, that that's pretty. That's a significant drop, and yeah. he's still one of the better quarterbacks out there. But he was also the third best pro style quarterback in the country. Uh, that's no longer the case. I think Chris Hudson was another one where, when I looked at him. Uh, I was anticipating, based off of the senior season that he had playing for a powerhouse high school that's one of the best in the country, and then the All-American camp he had at the Poly Bowl, being, especially being a late addition and how he stood out, um, I was expecting maybe him to at least just stay where he was at and not drop. So I'd, I'd love to get with uh, some of our, our evaluators down the road and just kind of get – a closer dive on what 
was the holdup with some of these other guys for why they dropped. But I would I would say Butterfield, and I'm, if it wasn't Butterfield, I'd, I'd say uh, Chris Hudson. Yeah, and those remain guys that I think we're, everyone's pretty excited about. And I think Butterfield in particular is somebody that Oregon fans are, are kind of really anticipating his arrival just because of the position battle with Tyler Shuck, I think, based upon where he's been rated. And I think the feeling had been and probably still is that it's going to be Tyler Shuck has planned you know, plan 1A and Butterfield's kind of that second guy. Um, so again, I think this is one of those things where you see some of these ranking drops and, and there are going to be people who are pretty reactionary. Um, don't, don't be, I guess. Just just be aware that these rankings are uh, not necessarily a reflection that Butterfield somehow suddenly is worse than he was a couple of days ago before these rankings changed. Oregon still likes him for the same reasons. It just might be that, for whatever reason, 24-7 saw some things that they maybe they didn't like as much, or they just saw things that they liked a lot more about a lot of other prospects. And I think that's another thing you have to consider is that this is not necessarily an indictment on the Oregon recruits or any recruits that drop in general. Um, it's, it's also can be an example of they just like other players better. And you look at the moves that some of these players made, and if you scroll through it, and we, we have the ability to look at the previous rankings, there are guys that were jumping from the 300s and 400s yeah. up, in, you know, up into the mid-200s you know, and even into the top 150. Um, that were just big risers that clearly made some some improvements or, or turned some heads at, at wherever they were seen. Um, they obviously made some made some strides and and, and were received some a bump in the rankings because of it. I mean, we're we're talking even from like a five star, like yeah. Jack Jack Nelson, an offensive tackle who committed to Wisconsin, went from 119th in the country to 26th. Like that's that's insane of a jump. Will Anderson, uh, a defensive end, committed to Alabama, went from 64th in the country to fifth in the country like that that's a huge jump um you know so you see that from guys who are low rated three stars like a feci to a four star for oregon and and even for other guys to become five stars that's where the full scope of the recruiting cycle takes into effect and that's why you gotta take in, into account everything that's happened and everything that still could happen for from a projection standpoint because um, remember, our rankings are based off of who we believe are going to be NFL draft picks, first-round draft picks for the first 32 guys. And then after that, it, it keeps falling down that that, pack, that packing order of who could be first-round guys. And look, the reality is Oregon got got two guys that we feel like are two are first-round picks and a, a third who's knocking on the door and Dante Manning, who, who's eight spots back from being a first-round pick. Um, doesn't happen very often at Oregon that you land – uh, you, you see guys go, you know, you see multiple players go in the first round for the University of Oregon. I think it's only happened like what once or twice, uh, where two players in the same year have gone in the first round. So, uh, Oregon's adding more and more talent. They've added three out of the four best players in the Pac 12, the two best players in the Pac, or excuse me, uh, yeah, the two best players in the Pac 12. So, uh, lots to like there. Now, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we've got audio from Barton and Charles kind of debating. Uh, and discussing the the play of Noah Sewell and also Justin Flo. All right, welcome back to the Austin Audible's podcast. I'm Matt Pray. Eric Scopel is with me as always, talking and breaking down the recruiting rankings that have just come out. Our finalized list for 24/7 Sports. We're still waiting on the composite rankings to finalize and update and all that. And so we'll have full reaction there, but our own personal rankings at 24 seven sports have now been finalized and we're going through it all. And we've got 
two guys that we're going to look extensively at, and that's five-star linebacker Justin Flo, who's the 11th best player in the country, the top inside linebacker in the country. And this is what Charles and Barton said about his ranking and how they, they came to it. At number 11, Justin Flo, a linebacker prospect heading to Oregon. Like, that's another one we kind of, you kind of cringe seeing him dip to 11 because he's so good. And he was, I think, six for us before. And um, just, you know, we're, we're not trying to say that his stock is dipping. It's just when you stack these guys up. And I think one of the key points here for, for, for Justin Flo was, I think, positional value as much as anything. Uh, you look at the guys above him, it's a lot of defense alignment, a lot of edge rushers, a lot of quarterbacks. And those guys, if they're close, are typically getting drafted above a, a commensurate like linebacker prospect. And so I, I think that, that that sort of dinged flow a little bit. But, man, I mean, there's no question that this guy is a dude as a player. Yeah, and our, our, our guys on the West Coast, uh, Greg Biggins, Brandon Huffman, kind of think he's really the best West Coast linebacker they've seen in in a long time. Um, I, I know the comparison we've kind of thrown around is, is, is Ruben Foster. You can definitely see it with his striking power, uh, how quickly he closes. Like, like you said, he's just, you know, at, at the end of the day, like kind of in, in terms of this ranking, um, Flo is a is a you know, a special, unique inside linebacker, but he also, he is an inside linebacker who really kind of is at his best when he's flowing downhill. And, and there's probably just not as much value um, with that, but, but he is really, I mean, you can't really praise him enough with, with how physical and his effort level. And, um, you know, I think he'll be a difference maker pretty early for them. Yeah. You feel him when he's on the field. There's no question yeah. about it. All right. That's some, so I think some really good stuff there, Eric. And I, I look at that and for me, it goes back to, the fact of that they, they said it right there that that's not necessarily that their, their their stock is his stock is dipping it's just when he's you stack flow up against the guys who are ranked ahead of them uh, the positional value of an inside linebacker just isn't as high as it was five six seven eight nine ten years ago and the NFL is looking for quarterbacks defensive tackles and guys that come off the edge as edge rushers and not inside linebackers, not offensive tackles. Remember when the offensive tackle was always going to be a number one pick. Uh, and that, I think that really gives good context of how they, they got to um, Justin Flo at 11, especially when, when Barton said you just kind of cringe seeing him dip yeah. to 11 because he's that good. Yeah, I, think, I thought that stood out of just like you could tell it almost hurt that he wasn't ranked inside the top 10 or so. Um, and, and this is not a new comparison, but I think the comparison of Ruben Foster – Yep. Um, who I think Oregon fans are probably familiar with based upon his playing career uh, is a really good one and an interesting one in terms of just how physical he is and, and, and his athletic tools. Um, it's going to be really exciting to see the way he develops at Oregon. And again, you can tell that these aren't two people that look at him and say, oh, he's he's not going to develop into a very good prospect. They're still very, very high on him, even though they had to move him five spots down the list. Another player that I personally like for Justin Flo is Vontez Burfick. Um yeah. you know, a guy that's just very tenacious and hard hitting. That's very similar to Justin Flo. Now, here is what Charles and Barton said about Noah Sewell, who came into the final rankings debate at nineteen and emerged at nineteen. Um, I, I guess kind of keeping it out, keeping it out on the West Coast um, or in, in the West, we had we had Noah Sewell, really one of the more unique. 
uh, body types, uh, kind of athleticism combos that we we've seen Barton. Uh, I guess he's over two seventy. Um, <laughs> Yeah. linebacker uh, we were, I, I kind of weren't at first really knowing like where he would play I think we maybe might have had him as an athlete we changed his position to linebacker I think after seeing him at the All-American Bowl I, I I'm I think we're kind of in lockstep on thinking he's gonna probably be a lot stay as a linebacker right. at the next level um depending on maybe how he's used on the outside inside I guess that could you know, be hashed out, especially with the scheme, but, but kind of what are your thoughts on, on, on Noah Sewell? I, I know, I mean, I think everybody kind of agrees this guy's pretty unique. Yeah. I mean, so unique. Like there's a couple guys in this class that that is hard to really dig up a comp for. And, and Noah is certainly one of them. I, I, I mean, I think the best you could do or the best I can do for a comp is probably Devin White. Because when you think back at what Devin White was coming out of high school, he was about 260 pounds. He played fullback and in, in, in high school or running back in high school as well. Um, the Devin White tested a little bit better from a speed standpoint than Noah Sewell. But I would say Noah Sewell has been more impressive even than Devin White when we've seen him in person in terms of his body movement, the way he accelerates to the football, the way he sees it and sniffs it out. Um, and, and so... Yeah, like a two, like there's there's a, a conversation to be had about what is like is he a three technique is he a is he a, a drop end is he like like what are the ways he can impact a game and we talked about this on the call and like he is still six one plus he's two seventy three that you know and that'll I think that'll be more like two fifty five two fifty in college uh, when Oregon sort of gets him in their their strength and conditioning program uh, but you know, he's got thirty one and change arms and. Ultimately, I think linebacker is a better spot for a guy like that, particularly as unique as his skill set is and, and how what, how much he can impact a game. So um, we settled on linebacker for sure for him and, and I think settled on a good spot for him at 19th in the country given just, man, I got, that's similar to Justin Flo, the other Oregon signee. Every time he shows up somewhere, you're going to know he's there. Yeah, and he, he was – the, the alpha dog of the All-American Bowl made a ton of plays. I think seeing him in the context of that game, you realize, um, you know, this guy's just a football player. He's going to find ways to, to impact the game. I think he had interception. He was really good in pursuit. Like there are times, where, of course, like this guy's 270 pounds. Like you get him matched up on a, an elite running back, he's maybe going to struggle at times to cover him. But I think if you put him in the right situation and kind of move him around and just let his instincts take over and like with his high effort level, he's going to make a lot of plays. So I, I think it's just kind of viewing him in, in that context as a linebacker. All right. Now this is one, I think hearing them talk about it, you can still tell that there's still like a lot of intrigue of just how exactly do you rate him? How do you compare him to previous players and where does he fit? And I think a lot of that, his success, it feels like is going to depend upon how he's used within a defense. Cause he's got so many different ways that he, he could help a team play on the football field. You can, yeah. And this is a guy you can almost tell similar to flow of like, they, they almost feel bad for where they, I meant that they feel bad about the ranking, but they're almost kind of like, man, he, he is better than that. Or he could be better than that. And the upside is clearly there. And he is a player that it's hard to, to kind of come up with a, com- a comparison um, just because he is so unique. And I think that's in part what makes him, you know, you could hear how intrigued they are with him just listening to that a moment ago um, be- because he's just such an u- unusual player. And I think the fact that they feel really good about calling him a linebacker, I think 
that's everything we've heard. That's where he'll play. Although you, you never know, maybe he grows into his body and he puts a hand down and he plays line or something down the line. But um, another really another player that's really exciting, and and you think. You know, you, you, we're looking at these players, and you can only look at the profiles and watch their huddle film for so long. Um, you start to get really excited, I think, when you hear people as knowledgeable as these two, kind of breaking down what they see in these two players and the enthusiasm they have for the upside both of them have. Um, I think you have to be, again, I, you know, you can look at those recruiting rankings, and you can look at the profiles and read everything about it, but when you actually hear these guys, these knowledgeable players who've seen these players in person now, a handful of times talk about them you get a better feel i think and, and it can i should i would say raise some excitement level for what oregon is getting in these two guys yeah that's the that's the big thing is that if it really feels like they have a ton of both sewell and flow have high upside high ceilings uh and you get the feeling that both of these guys are instant impact players who could come into oregon right away and be starters for three years and then be off to the NFL. Just just as much as, as Penny Sewell is going to do uh, for Oregon uh, at offensive tackle. Show up day one, be a starter, and be one of the team's most important players, and in three years leave as one of the best players uh, to play their position. I, I get that kind of feeling for both Sewell and Flo. The upside's certainly there, and and you know certainly with the genetics of of Noah Sewell, like you feel pretty good about his ability to develop, and and uh, I think it's going to be really exciting here if you're an Oregon fan and, and you're you're used to watching these, you know there was a time I think you know in the early 2010s where you'd watch the NFL draft and Oregon would have would be pretty well represented. I think there were a, a couple in particular where where players, you know they had a handful of guys in the first couple of rounds. I think we're going to start seeing that more and more and more with the way Oregon's recruiting. And then that's probably pretty obvious considering we've talked about in this podcast about a part of these, you know, these rankings are, are, are set up basically to project which players are going to be drafted highly. Um, it makes sense that that, I think Oregon in a couple of years is going to start to reap those benefits. And, and it's going to be a thing where you watch these first rounds and rather than sitting there and going like, well, maybe one day a couple of Oregon guys are going to be, you're going to start seeing over these next two to three to four to five drafts, a lot of Oregon players called, I think, in the first and second rounds because the recruiting has taken such a step forward. It's going to do it for us here on the Odds and Audible's podcast. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoy it. If you want more information on our final rankings, maybe how we got there, the debate for five stars, tons of tons of uh information is out there we'll link it in the message board in the story for you to go and read uh if you want more of that and for now thank you for listening to odds and audibles i'm matt preem and for eric scopel we'll talk to you soon adios amigos